Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father, and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. So let's look at the, the story of Jonah. It's a great story. We're going to be talking about these next few weeks. We're going to, we've been doing a lot of New Testament stuff, so we're going to do some Old Testament stories and how do they apply to our life and what can we learn from Jonah. So open up to the book of Jonah right now, and I time myself. It only takes about five minutes to read this whole story, all right? So get in your, get in your Bible. Let's get ready to find out some more about this guy named Jonah. So at, at uh, Youth World, it was obey the first time. We are all friends here, and we take care of Youth World. Those are the three rules that they told the kids every single day, all right? That's, I thought that, you know, that's good for church. Obey the first time when the Lord asks you to do something. We are all friends here. We all come, we're part of this community, and we take care of this place that we come to, which by the way, here's a segue, after the church is over today, if you have a little bit of time, stay around, talk to Miss Trish, or, and find out like ways that we can help put stuff away today, because we got to put all this stuff away, because school is getting ready to start, and they need it all cleaned up, so if you can help with that, that'd be great. So Jonah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, God says, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because they're evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. But the Lord, I love that, but the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his little G-God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up. Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us, and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots, and then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots, and the lots singled out Jonah, and they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business, and where are you from? What is your country, and what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the big G God of the heavens, who made the seas and the dry land. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, what is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do that the the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I am to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, I love this. Nevertheless, these men rode hard to get back to dry land. But they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life and don't charge us with innocent blood. 
For you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. The Lord, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Of course, what did Jonah do? The same thing you and I would do. He prayed. You know, he probably should have prayed before he got on the boat. <laughs> but he prayed. It says, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. And your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundation of the mountains. The earth's gate shut behind me forever. But then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I vowed it says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He says the same thing. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach the message that I tell you. By the way, I just want to make a quick point here. Um, there are times when I probably preach my message when it would be a lot more effective to preach his message. Because his message, his words, are so much more powerful than any of mine could ever be. So God tells him, go and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city. Listen, a three-day walk from one end of the city to the other. That's a big place. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and they dressed in sackcloth from the greatest to the least. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth. It was like um, a gunny sack. And he sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By the order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways, from his wrongdoing. Sounds like there's a revival breaking out in Nineveh. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger, so we will not perish. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. Last chapter. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled to Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, the one who relents from sending disaster. 
And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, and it withered. If you don't think God has a sense of humor, you're not reading the scripture right. Like, this is awesome. You know, everybody's being obedient, except for Jonah. As the sun was rising, God appointed a a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted, and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals? And that's how the story ends. Let us pray. Father, help us to uh, glean some biblical truth. Let us glean your words from your word to impact us today. Lord, I pray that your word will change us to where our actions will be as obvious as the actions of those sailors on the boat, that their lives were different. That our actions would be as different as the people of Nineveh from the time that they met you and fasted and prayed and repented. May our actions be different today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So just some things that we can take away from this passage of Scripture, this story. It's a great story. Quick read, isn't it? I mean, you read a whole chapter in a Bible today, just in this short time that we were together. First of all, don't be so quick to judge Jonah for his disobedience. Because we are. We're like, how could he do that? How could he be frustrated with God at the end? And how could Jonah, but listen, should have Jonah listened to God in the first place? Yes. Yeah, we all say yes, he should have. Like when the kids were told these rules at their home, should they listen the first time? Yes. If they don't listen, there's probably some consequences that go along with it. But you got to understand what it is that God's asking of Jonah in this particular story. The people of Nineveh were ruthless. They were not nice people. You have not met anybody in your life as ruthless as these people. They were famous for taking captive other soldiers from other armies and skinning them alive for other people to watch. That's just... That's not even the worst. These were not nice people. And can you imagine what Jonah was thinking? Wait a minute, I've heard the stories about these people, and you want me to go and proclaim this message to them? Uh, Do you you understand what's probably going to happen to me? So don't be so hard on Jonah right off the bat here. I know last week Steve preached, and he talked about how Paul, the Apostle Paul, was willing to go share the gospel to people that had the power to keep him in prison or to put him in prison or to have him killed. 
But yet he was not ashamed of the gospel. He was willing to go. My guess is you will never be asked to do anything quite like that. Though sometimes it might feel like that when God is asking you to do something. A little commercial here. The next two Sundays at 9 o'clock, if you've ever wanted to be challenged and encouraged and educated on how you can share your faith with somebody else, for the next two Sundays at 9 a.m., Brady Rogers is going to be teaching a class on how to share your faith, how to, how to, how to um, be equipped to share. It's called personal evangelism. That is sharing the good news of the gospel with other people. If you ever like, man, I want to be challenged, I want to know more about that, then invest a little time, invest a little um, effort, and come and learn and be equipped to do that, all right? Commercial's over. Don't miss God's omnipresence in this story. I think there are times, and I think Jonah forgot this, that we might forget that while we're in the midst of our, our uh, sin, or in the midst of our own disobedience, we almost forget for a moment that God is there with us. Like somehow we can get out from underneath the umbrella of God's presence. Like, like I can go and I can be in this place and God won't see me. You remember like kids, you know, kids when they are um, playing hide and go seek and they hide their face. You can't see me. Now you can see me. Oh, you can't see me. I think we treat God that way sometimes. We might get so far into our depravity that we think I've gotten out of God's presence. I've reached Tarshish. Don't miss the fact that not only is God all present, but he is also all powerful. He caused the storm. He calmed the storm. It's his words that brought repentance in Nineveh. Not Jonah's words. He was just a vehicle. He caused a fish to be obedient. (laughs) Don't miss his power in this story. Don't miss his power in your life. Two weeks ago, I, I preached. It was the Sunday that the lights went out in Georgia and in Platte City. Um, and we were talking about, like, what is it that interferes, gets in the way of you have an intimate relationship with Jesus? There was a family here that uh, she's like, you know, I should have stood up, but I'm just not that person. By the way, if you're not that person, you need to become that person. You cannot be afraid to stand up and let somebody else know what's going on. She shared with me what's going on in their home. There, there's a lot of hurt in their home. They have a special needs child. They're just struggling. And she needs to be reminded. You need to be reminded that God is all-powerful. He's bigger than what it is that you're going through. Don't miss how stubborn Jonah was. Oh my God, was he stubborn? When you look in the mirror, do you see Jonah? Sometimes. Yeah, he was very stubborn. Let me ask you a question. This is a question that came from the study I was looking at about Jonah. It says, when you're walking in disobedience, do you dig your heels in and refuse to admit that you're wrong? Or do you humbly confess? Or both. (laughs) At different times. I'm a man, all the men in the room, can, at some point or another, we have been that person like, I refuse to admit that I am wrong. 
even though I deep down inside know I'm wrong? Jonah knew he was wrong. Or do you humbly confess? A friend of mine shared this quote with me. Is there an area in your life where God asks you to go to Nineveh, but you are experiencing the storms by going to Tarshish? So last night, uh, the other pastor, Brady, that is a part of our church, Pastor Brady Rogers, we were having this conversation. And, and, and this thought came to my mind, and then moments later, Brady brought it up. It's weird how that happens. He said, hey, Brady, do you feel like when, um, when you originally thought about planting a church and starting a church, that you, that was kind of like your Nineveh, and you got on a boat, and you went to Vineyard Church for a couple of years? Did you feel like that was your Tarshish moment? And I was like, you know, it's odd that you say that because there, it's not like I was walking in disobedience to God. I just, I think I was trusting my own decisions more than I was trusting God's leading in my life. Like, I just felt like, man, and I, and I don't think now as I look back, I really wasn't ready at that particular time. I think there was other things that had to come in place. Other people had to come in place. But as I think about it, when I felt like God was calling me to something, I did kind of take the easy route. I took the route with a paycheck and with some insurance and a cell phone plan and just comfortable. And I think that's probably where most of us find ourselves in our everyday life. When God calls us to kind of get out of our comfort zone, that's when we just happen to find a boat that's going to a different place. And we get on it and go, like, isn't it odd that Jonah gets there and he probably thinks, oh, it's providence of God. Like, there happens to be a boat and it happens to be going to the furthest point that I could travel. So it must be God, right? Have you ever had any moments like that in your life? And you realize after you got on the boat, I don't think that was God at all. I think that was either the food I ate earlier that day or that was the enemy. And I'm not headed where I'm supposed to head. Don't miss how the sailors tried to help Jonah. I think that's really fascinating in this story. Like, they, they, they knew that they probably needed to throw him over, but instead they tried harder to row to shore. Like, these guys weren't even faithful followers of Big G God, but they were like living more like that than Jonah was. They were actually showing mercy, and Jonah was supposed to be the one giving mercy. Notice how they reacted when the storm was quieted. How God's movement in their life affected them and it changed everything about them. It was incredible. Don't miss how even in the midst of man's disobedience, God's message still got proclaimed. Isn't that good news? That's good news that even if I become an idiot and I fail, God's message will still go forth. Like nothing can stop his word. Even me (laughs) being an idiot. Like, even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, he proclaimed the gospel not even knowing it. It was crazy how that happens. Don't forget that even in the midst of great pain, God is giving you more of himself. Maybe that touches you today. In the study I was doing, the giant fish wasn't called the giant fish. He called it God's merciful aquatic vehicle of miraculous proportions. Okay? Tweet that. God's merciful aquatic vehicle of miraculous proportions. 
Don't miss how powerful God's word is to the Ninevites when Jonah finally gets there. It wasn't the voice of Jonah that they heard. It was the voice of God that they heard. The same thing happens when you share his word with other people. That's one of the reasons why you need to get equipped to share God's word with others. There's power in testifying about his word. It is amazing how fast and how thoroughly the people of Nineveh Nineveh repented. Do you notice that in the story? It wasn't like a three-day conference and, you know, at the end of the conference they finally have an emotional response. No, they were walking in fear of the Lord. And it says they repented immediately. They fasted. Even the king stepped down off of his throne, took off his robe. That, my friends, is called submission. And that's what was going on with the people of Nineveh. Don't miss how Jonah never truly repented for his disobedience. I don't know if you noticed that in the story. Yeah, he obeyed the second time, but he never did say, God, I agree with you. I was wrong for getting on that boat. And I want you to know that agreement is critical in confession. You have to agree. You know what, God? You're right. I'm wrong. That's hard to do. That's hard to do in a marriage, isn't it, people? (laughs) I'm wrong, you're right. We're almost done. Be overwhelmed by the mercy of God towards all the people in this story, even towards Jonah. Be overwhelmed by the mercy of God towards the sailors. Pagan sailors crying out to their gods. God's merciful to them. Jonah, disobedient prophet, going the wrong direction, merciful by the miraculous proportionate vehicle of aquatic grace or whatever it was called. Be amazed at God's mercy to the people of Nineveh. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, don't walk out of here today and not be amazed at God's mercy for you. Do you know what it says in Ephesians chapter 2? We were all separated from God. We're objects of wrath. But by God's great mercy, he sends Jesus. But in his great mercy, Ephesians chapter 10, or 2, verse 1 through 10, you can read it again. You can write that in your notes, do a little homework. Don't have time to go there. But God's mercy is evident all throughout the word of God. Don't miss how at the end, Jonah seemed to forget how merciful God was to him. And he didn't even want the same mercy extended to Nineveh. Don't forget God's grace and mercy in your life. It is that very thing that compels me forward. When I remember who I was and I now begin to see who I am in him and it causes me to be a different person. Jonah somehow missed that. Didn't even want to see mercy extended to these people. Don't ever forget the impact of God's mercy and grace, and what it's done for you. And then, what do we do with this as we walk away today? Let us be merciful human vehicles of miraculous proportion to those who, we, who live in our homes, to the schools that are getting ready to in traits here in a few weeks when school starts back up again in the workplaces that we'll go to tomorrow in the streets that the people will walk around 
in the next few days, don't miss the fact that we are human vehicles of His mercy to those that we come in contact with. I kind of touched on this already, but notice how everybody else in the story, everything else in the story is being obedient. The storm, the sea, the sailors, the, the fish, the people of Nineveh, a plant, even a worm, Autumn, is being obedient. Can you believe that? A worm. And there's Jonah, like God's greatest creation, <laughs> not walking in obedience. John chapter 14, verse 21, this is Jesus' words. He said, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me, all right, here's a blessing in obedience. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them, and I will show myself to them. You want to see more of God? You want to see more of God moving in your life? Walk. In obedience. Kids, you want to see blessing in your life? In your home? Walk in obedience. Not out of fear of punishment, but out of love for the one who has the authority. And that's the same for you and me. Out of love for the one who's loved us first. Let me ask you a question as we finish up. Is there anything God is asking you to do right now. Right now, in this moment, is there anything God is asking you to do? I don't know what that is, but you do. I don't know which direction you're getting ready to go. <laughs> I don't know what boat you're getting ready to hop on. And then our last point. Do not miss how Jesus is better and greater than Jonah. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 through 42, Jesus having this conversation with the scribes and the Pharisees, these teachers of the law, these people, and they're like, hey Jesus, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Show us something amazing. And he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given given to it, except the sign of the prophet Jonah. By the way, some people think, oh, this story is just a, a fable. It's just a story that the people told to make a point. Jesus is talking about Jonah and the fish. I'm guessing it's true. If Jesus, if Jesus is going to talk about it, you better believe it, because he does not lie. He says, I tell you the truth. He says, you're looking for a sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah, or as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish, for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and for three nights. It says, The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise up, it says, at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear wisdom of Solomon and look, something greater than Solomon is here. His name is Jesus. Do you know, this is interesting, 
this is interesting, that, that when Jonah was spit out of the fish and he went into the city of Nineveh, he didn't have a chance to go like take a shower and put on his prophet clothes. He walked into the city covered with the filth of whatever was inside that fish. But for us who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, who know the truth of the death and the resurrection of Christ, and we believe in that resurrection, we are, we are clothed in beauty. And we walk into the lives of other people, not smelling like a dead fish, but looking like a glorified Savior. Do you believe that that's who Jesus sees you as, Avery? He cleans you up and made you beautiful and clean to share this hope and this truth. They had this testimony of Jonah in a whale but, or a fish or whatever it was, but we have the testimony of Jesus in a tomb who conquered death. And that is the thing that propels us forward. Let us not miss that grace today. Let us not miss what it is that he's asking us to be obedient to the first time, or maybe it's been the 20th time he's asked you. I don't know. Let's pray as the worship team comes. Thank you, God, for stories like this to encourage us and to teach us, to enlighten uh, us to the truths of your word and to challenge us today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you have given to each one of us. God, help us to be human vehicles of miraculous proportions of grace and mercy to others that we come in contact with. Lord, I don't know what we've walked in here with today, the, the burdens that we're carrying. Maybe Maybe we've justified in our mind that it's just best to go to Tarshish and not to walk in obedience to you. But Lord, I pray against that right now. I pray, I pray that people will know that's a lie from the enemy, that there's nothing good waiting for you in Tarshish. There is repentance, there is hope, there's mercy in Nineveh. God, help us to walk in the right direction. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to respond in whatever way that you're calling us to respond. It's between them and you, God. So we ask for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.